Running Sentences presents Pirates, Politics, and Potentially Treasure, Book 2, Part 2 The Lies of Treasure Some truth, some fiction, and other beliefs come to light about the grand hidden treasure. This story is written and narrated by Michael Henry. It is a work of fiction. Any names, characters, businesses, events, and situations within this story are products of the author's imagination. Any resemblance to real people, real situations, events, characters, businesses, and or fictional events, characters, businesses, and so on, is purely coincidental. Copyright 2023, Michael Henry. All rights reserved. The king and queen, along with utility, stared openly at Cordite. He'd said the one thing, apparently, he wasn't supposed to. Treasure. A simple word that apparently carried far too much weight to it. Everyone is after the rumored stuff and believes it's here, so I think it's better to tackle this discussion now so we don't have to come back to it when you blast a treasure hunter out of space for trying to get it. Why are they after this stuff? Cordite glanced to Utility, who offered no help with his disgusted and frustrated look at him. Money, wealth, power, you name it, and we'll draw any alien here to claim their stake, especially when the tales are so numerous. But why here? I don't know exactly why here. I've only heard the rumors and stories, none of which ever matched up. Tulis, have you ever heard the story of the lost treasure? She jumped at the mention of her name, having taken to enjoying not being the center of attention at the moment. Realizing that this was a question, uh, she looked to help herself think for a moment, then realized she had to actually talk. Uh, well, uh, my parents never told us fairy tales or anything like that, nor would they allow our teachers to teach us such things, so no, I don't know anything about it. That leaves the only one who knows anything about this to be President Utility. Cordite looked to and pointed towards the president, who had a snarled smile crossing his face, a smirk that said he knew he'd been caught, but was was going to get away with it. A tale about old treasure trove that was back when real pirates roamed space and piled their treasures and needed a place to hide things away from those who would take it from them, like the governments. Um... It became a planet of treasure when groups of pirates all agreed to send their treasure ships to that spot, though apparently it has been lost to time and pirates. They are pirates. One, if not all of them, would have betrayed the others for the loot, wouldn't they, President? Well, Mr. King, that's the fairy tale part of this story. But on occasion, old coins associated with the story marked with pirate's mark, pi marked with a pirate's mark, do show up. Now that stuff is either out there, too hidden away, or someone is making forgeries. Probably both. Either way, you have a treasure run on your hands, because people think it's in this area for whatever reason they've chosen. And it is a perfect opportunity for your planet to do a bit of business, I would assume, and look good to the galaxy. All you have to do is let these treasure hunters towards their target, making money while you do so. The throne room was deadly quiet for a moment, as the king and queen considered this. 
There were lots of stares, but no one offered further words. Negotiations had come to a standstill at that moment. Captain Commander Borg stood looking over the control room of the Space Station X, the last harbor for any pirates that wanted to hide away. Things were underway to get them moving, all automated by machines, so all he had to do was watch over things. There was always this weird insistence of having some alien watch over these, but not that they could do or change the directions of the station once everything was set. Pork was idly drawing on a notebook, looking over his plans that he'd come up with. Originally, he wanted to take over the space station, but uh, that had fallen flat when so many captains had taken to calling this place home. His thoughts and plans, though, were interrupted by a loud beep and the red light next to the controls. Out of habit, he touched the button and waited for a second. Yes, who is it? Who do you think it is? Aside from being one of the captains running a... This place? I have no idea. I don't have time to play games. I'm busy up here. It's Captain Markarva, and I ran across something I thought you might want to know. Slowly, looked up from his notebook and glanced towards the screen to his right. The age-worn, weary face of the captain was transposed into the air with a blue hue. Is it important to flying this vessel? There was a pause. There was a murder of one of the pirate council. That got the attention of Pork, who now found himself staring at the projected image of, and what it offered. What was this? Why was this important to him? He'd been commanded to watch over the moving of the space station, which had been assigned to him last week. What was this now? Why? He didn't like this at all. Who murdered who? Don't you mean who was murdered? No, I'm more worried about if a killer is on the loose and can find their way to me than anything else. A snort of divisive laughter came from Merkava, who didn't buy the comment. We don't know who did it yet, but Yelfi was targeted and is now dead. And this is linked to me somehow, Makava? The figurehead of the screen nodded, yes, savagely for a good couple of seconds. In what way, then? You were one of the last aliens known to have been around her. A deep frown formed on Pork's face as he thought about that. It had been almost a month's time since he'd last talked to her, and now they were saying he was seen with her last? How? It had been a month. Has a killer been wandering around free for a while since you didn't discover Yelfi's body? It was discovered a few days ago when preparing the station for its move. I don't know why it took so long, but it did. I see, then. Well, I'm busy up here, so if you have some other pressing matter that concerns movement of this station, then tell me. That, or you think the killer is on the way up here. You, you think that. You're cut off from the rest of the station so that nothing can get to you. And it is awfully convenient for you. 
Pork did his best to control his anger and frustration, as he realized he was definitely now targeted for being a main suspect. I did not murder her, and I have no reason to have done so. Good bye. He ended the communications with the touch of a button, then sat back as he took in the news. What to do? What could he, Pork, do? Nothing. That was the only answer that came to him. There was, of course, the problem that she knew he was up to something, but every pirate was always up to something, and he was unsure if she had any evidence of that. Perhaps it was best to sit and wait to see how it all shook out. The crew's ship clipped to, which had transported Nero, Mont, and Francis across the galaxy to within the home of the Grogian planet, Grogian, settled into its berth at the space station, which would then allow them to get a ship down to the planet. With the ship docked and now there, there was a long line of passengers who needed to get onto a shuttle to the space station and then further on, and the process was taking a while. Nero was biting his lip and incessantly worrying about if he could come back here since his parents had been his parents and had tossed him away. The line moved and he found himself in front of a guard who would allow him to board the shuttle. There was a groggy soldier who looked displeased with everything and everyone that they were seeing and ones that come before him. Who are you and why are you coming to the Grogian Empire? Returning home. You do look familiar. Have I been forcefully removed from the Empire before? What? That question shot through Nero's mind because technically yes, but also no. How to answer that without raising some sort of suspicion? He paused. I have not. What's your name and hand over your papers? Nero pulled out the papers he did have on a small screen and handed those over. They were grabbed away and hurriedly looked over by the alien. His features were compared to those of the photo on the screen as the creature snarled its disappointment. Where were you, by the way? My papers should say I went to the planet of the Galactic Government. I was there at the Grogian Embassy, which you can call and they will confirm. The screen was instead roughly handed back, and then he was waved aboard the transport. Taking this would mean he was okay to board, and so he did just that. Having bored himself and everyone with his ideas, Gorad had been kicked out for further negotiations for any peace. It was fine by him, since what did he know of any of this? As a result, he found himself wandering the neatly trimmed grounds around the castle, enjoying a bit of sun under the watchful eyes of some guards, who didn't seem pleased that he was wandering about there. There was also another set of guards marching a figure across the grounds, towards the doors of the throne room. It was a feminine sort of figure, not tall, as most Grogians tended to be, although he'd seen quite a few short ones as well. He watched as they hurried across, and then the door was opened. Out came Tulis, but not Utility. The princess stood to the side, but then quickly looked for him, and then was over to him in a moment. What's up? With her hurried step and expression that showed concern, she kept looking back towards the door she'd come out of, and that that figure had been pushed through. Uh, she looked familiar. How? Government official, I think. I should remember, but it is escaping me at the moment. Feels wrong, though. 
because the guards are something else. And what brings you out here? Is everything over? We okay to go? I'd, le- I'd like to get back to doing what we were supposed to be doing. You don't even know what we were supposed to be doing. Something about investigating a destroyed ship. But that probably has already floated off into space, and we're not really going to find anything. So no, I have no idea really, other than trying to calm down angry governments and aliens, and show them that pirates aren't all that bad. You're not that good at that either, judging from the way my parents were quick to make you go away. Yeah, my parents' specialty, pissing everyone off. The look of aha stuck across Tulis's face as she remembered something, and she grabbed at his arm with a quick look around and pulled him a little further away from anyone within hearing. And remember, she is the leader of the opposition party for the Congress. And she's under arrest? Utility did just promise to look the other way with what your parents are doing, I think. This might be part of that. Peace hasn't been agreed upon, though, and I think something is up. It did sound suspicious to Cordite, but it wasn't sure getting tangled up in it was what he wanted. What was even there to explore in the first place as an outsider, and surely it would only get him in trouble. That's nice to hear. You don't think I'm on to something? No, I didn't say that, and I think you probably are. But what exactly? All you have is a person being marched about. Do people not yet marched around by the castle by guards? This seems like a very locked-down place, with only you and me wandering about freely at the moment. Even then, there are soldiers watching us. She frowned at the comment. I don't know, but I feel like I should look into it. Do you have any connections outside of the walls of the castle that would help that? Forgiving me for saying this, but you do seem rather like a kept child. I'm not a child, and yes, I was kept away from the rest of the Grogian alien people. So no way of finding out if something is actually happening. Best to let it go for the moment. There was a hurried look from a guard who emerged from some side area, and took one look around and then hurried up to Tulis. The grave expression looked displeased and pushed aside Cordite once they were next to the princess. Your ladyship, I have news. You don't have to treat me like royalty anymore, Volo. Your brother is headed here. Nero has landed at the spaceport. Confusion crossed Tulis's face, while Cordae pretended he was a bit too far away to hear, but even he shot up his eyebrows at this bit. What is he doing here? I do not know, but he is here. We have pulled him aside and have transported him somewhere safe. Tulis turned to Cordite triumphantly. You said I don't have anyone on, on the outside. Well, you were wrong. I asked if you had anyone which you said you didn't. You did so, and follow I forgot about, but she is now here to help us. I am? Uh, well, Miss Volo, it appears you already are, since you are hiding her brother for some reason. Well, to keep everyone calm, Nero has a habit of getting angry, while Tulis here runs to whatever trouble she can find. Cordite slowly approached them, while being judged by Volo, who, from the way her eyes squinted, considered him to be bad. She also stepped in front of the princess to guard her. There is little he could do about first appearances to people, other than to put on a nice demeanor, 
but then he'd probably be accused of misleading aliens once they got to know him. He wasn't really that nice. Was there anyone with him, by the way? Yes, how do you know that? Uh, friends of mine I sent a message to said they'd come out and help. Figured they might be here or be around here, since they were both coming from the same place. Who did you call? Well, Princess, Doc Mott, since it's always good to have a trusted Doc, and Francis. I believe you know both of them. The princess nodded. They're both trusted figures by you, but I best to corral them in a place where we can meet them shortly. I don't trust them, and we do have them, and I don't trust that one next to you. Cordite was barely paying any attention, as the door had opened once again, and now out strolled Utility. He didn't wait for them to register what was going on, and so Cordite split off from the rest of the conversation to head over to that, just to keep their princess's conversation a bit private. All has been agreed upon, then. We can move on. Not quite. A few sticking points that need to be cleared up, and then we'll be good to leave. Uh, what's going on with the princess? Uh, she fancies herself a mystery lover and is looking into matters that she doesn't like. It won't interfere, will it? With all of our plans, I mean. Cordite frowned, thought about it, couldn't really make up his mind what to say, and decided going with a little bit of truth. Your plans for treasure and hunting, maybe, not mine, and I don't know, really, but uh, it can make things interesting, and for any of us, I suppose. Utility was staring off towards Tulis, keeping a watch on her to see what she did. The young woman was energetically talking to Volo with her arms waving about, but they couldn't exactly hear what she was saying. Make sure she is aware of the trouble it might cause. I don't think she's going to listen to me. I think you're one of the few people she might listen to. I think that's just a sense I had. It seems she's got a thing for you, maybe? I don't know. Anyway, let us leave this castle for now. We have nothing further to do here. The president, in a stiff stroll, began heading for the gate. Cordite moved to gather Tulis, who then dragged Volo, as they headed for it. Exelia was marched into the throne room, hands behind her back, though her hat was held as high as she could put it. This was the worst thing to have happened to her, and there was no doubt no one would stand for it. She would make sure that the public would know what these royals were up to, and if she had to be a martyr for it to happen, then so be it. She was brought to a stop in front of the king and queen, who were already at the bottom of the stairs to the throne room chairs. The opposition party of quackers. What brings you to the chambers of our castle? Your gods do, you fools. Queen, why else would I be here? Gods, what did she do? Found her invading the hold room of the former vice president, Vic, sir. The queen raised an eyebrow and strolled over to her. To this, Xalia twisted her head away so she wouldn't have to look at her horrid, grogian queen. This conversation was not going the way she'd expected it to go, which was frustrating. She just had to insult everybody, and no, they weren't allowing that. If anyone would simply listen to her, the whole thing could be made to go away, potentially. I'm doing my job, 
You don't currently have a job, Miss Exelia. Because of the lot of you. What? You were planning things behind our back without informing us about what was going on, so of course we acted to protect ourselves. You would never have approved of our plans to better the kingdom. Stars exploded for a second in front of her face as the queen unleashed a mighty slap across Exalia's face. Knocked a bit senseless, it took a moment for her to gain her hard edge again. This would never do at this rate, and she wondered if sweet-talking might be a better thing, but uh, doubted it would do much. She had broken the law and trampled on the sacred grounds of the castle without permission, all while important negotiations were ongoing and still are. Guards tell the people at once what she has done. We do not need her side getting the advantage. You lot have locked up Vic for no reason. No, we have not. He's accused of treason and plotting to go against the will of the people. As my queen points out, a separation between the galactic government and our own has not been wanted by the people. Only the elected government seems to be pushing for it. That is why it is time for us to step back in and stop you mad freaks. You've done something to get him to cooperate with you. Yes, of course we have, politician. We talked to him and told him what will happen if he doesn't cooperate. There is evidence enough of what we speak of happening, and it even links to your party, doesn't it, dear Queen? Yes, my husband. Do you have anything to say to that, Miss Exalia? Unable to think of anything as quickly as she could, Exalia went quiet since saying something would probably get her in trouble if she accepted or denied any of it. Instead, she narrowed her eyes to look over the queen and the king. Both were stone-faced creatures who didn't seem capable of emotions, but she knew better. Underneath it all, they were plotters and killers. The people will free me. Take her away. We don't need to see her for a while. The guards who had stayed by Zelia's side grabbed her and began the process of yanking her away and out of the room. The bright light that made up the nearby star made it hard to see and operate. Ophelia felt herself sweating from the heat being far closer than she would like to this object. The thing was a massive red-blue burner that had caught them in its atmospheric pull. Can we or can we not get out of this? The engines are working as hard as they can, and I'm pulling as hard as I can, but I don't know. Helm's response was not a welcome one, and even thousands of miles away from this star, it was just too close, and it felt like it was cooking them alive. Is the jump drive still operational? The sound of crinkling and snapping metal filled the cabin as the heat beat down on the ship. It felt like it was sliding sideways towards the star, and not away like they'd hoped. The drive might work, but I don't know if it will with this heat. We don't have a choice. Aim for the closest shot to those planets that we can see, and then fire. I've got rough coordinates set, but I don't know if it'll put us there or somewhere else. This place is too weird to predict. Helm, you know what to do. Aye. The button next to the wheel was hit, and everything went bright white. 
Lyon was staring at the lobby of the Hotel Embassy, watching a few diplomats come and go. Why everyone had left him in charge of this place was beyond him. It was in fact silly, since he'd hated this type of work and would much rather be trying to pull ships apart in space. The shuffle of feet approaching from his right, and the small shape of plate, his crewmate, was the last, was at least somewhat welcomed, since no one else was around at the moment that would be friendly to him. What's going on? Have you found something? Got something that might get me away from all of this? Please tell me you do, since I can't stand it here. There was a signal from a pirate leader, sir. A signal? What? Why? Plate held out a small piece of paper which Lion took in a heartbeat. His eyes scanned it up and down. It came from the ship the Flying Squirrel. Ophelia's ship. Yes. Uh, deep in Grogian territory, and then it vanished, and, uh, that's all we got out of it. Hearing this news, Lion looked up with a rather puzzled expression. The signal, you mean? Well, yes. No one else, as far as I know, has read or gotten a look at this, or knows what's happened to the ship. I think it might have gone into the black inkiness that's been rumored about there. Mine trying to put all of this together, it hurt to think about for Lion. He liked action and moving about. There was time for thinking and undoing, but that was aboard a ship, and not on land, where action was much, much slower. How many of the crew are around? About ten or so of us left, maybe a few more. There are some who joined up with us after um, being expelled from Ophelia's Flying Squirrel. Tell them if anyone wants to stay here, they're free to do so. But I'm off to see what this is all about. I'm on an expedition. There were a few attempts by Plate to speak, but his mouth failed him at the moment. I know we'd be leaving this place pretty much abandoned, but we aren't really doing anything here either. I, I'll, I'll go see if anyone wants to join you. Lion nodded and turned back to watching people move about the lobby then turned to the note still in his hand. It had a few dots on it, which he read as the last coordinates they'd sent out. But why send it towards them? Was she expecting to reach Cordite or him? Frustrated, he turned and headed for the elevator to go to his room and to get ready for a long trip across space. Stuck aboard the GCS bruiser, Damon found himself taken from the cells and saw stuffed into a library room. It was nice, clean, and a few aliens seemed to occupy the space. He couldn't tell if it was to watch over him, or they were just generally there for knowledge. A silly thing to think or do, in his opinion, since books were probably filled with propaganda or whatever. The government had decided it should be in there, aka propaganda. Demon stopped at the section that labelled itself fiction as he wandered about and stared. Can I help you? No. You've been wandering around here for a while. That is the universal sign for any librarian that someone is lost and searching for something. I was brought here by guards. It is a prison cell for me. I see no guards. What prison are you talking about? Demon glanced about, which made him pause as he looked. There were no guards here. So he could leave, right? He took to ignoring the librarian who had harassed him and went straight for the exit. 
only to stop a bit short of them. His mind came to the idea that this exactly was what the guards wanted him to do, and then they could do whatever they wanted to him when he tried to escape. It was a trap, wasn't it? His mind couldn't process this information fast enough for his own liking, and there was a tapping, annoyingly, at his shoulder. You are a troubled young man, you know that? But I am here to help you through whatever issues you're having, as long as it involves knowledge. All you have to do is follow me. Why? To know, you must be willing to put aside your mind. I don't want or need to do that. What I need is for the way out of here. That isn't the main entrance. Provide that and I will listen to whatever spiel you have to sell. The librarian was shuffling their way away, but more than a few steps away, and showed no signs of stopping or listening. It was probably for the best, since, now looking at the elderly figure, once they stopped moving, it probably took them a while to get going again. Why don't you tell me why these supposed guards put you in here? I don't know why. I was in a cell fighting with a cellmate to get information, and they took me away. Why were you in the ship's cell in the first place? Despite the look of the old alien, it was apparently actually quite spry, having easily moved across the library. If Demon stayed standing where he was for any longer, the conversation would end. It was actually what he wanted, but there was something curious about this figure, and dealing with him was might be his sentence for these crimes that he'd committed. But that was silly, wasn't it? Demon couldn't make up his mind if President Utility was a sick and twisted figure like that or not. Then the doors to the library zipped open, and in stepped the presidential alien himself. It has been a long day talking to people, so let us keep this simple, Mr. Demon. I'm a hologram, by the way, so don't bother trying anything. The librarian turned and gave a deep bow to the president, who merely waved his hand at the, the alien. I have never needed reverence from the masses, and I'm not about to start now. You, Mr. Demon, have been up to doing bad things, but you hold keys to the Grogian space. So what do you wish to share with me? I'll be free. I promised that to you originally, so yes. What is needed, though, is information for that to happen, which you haven't provided. So what have you got? Not exact locations, and the fact that our friend Keeper is hiding secrets about what he knows. Oh, yes, we both know that. Give me something more exact, please. An area, at least, where you think this might be. The Stargate section that isn't on any coordinates. I can guide you to the area, but it is tricky to get in there and past the thing that holds that area together. Utility nodded happily at that news, and then looked to the librarian, who'd now come back and was stared wide-eyed at trying to figure out what was going on here. Good, we must use that, then, and I will see what else can be learned. As for you, remain here and learn some stuff on your own. If you leave, you will be swarmed and taken to a safe spot, so don't bother leaving. And with that, the hologram blinked out of existence. You, Mr... Demon are involved in something quite messy, it seems. Yes, it's complicated to say the least. But a chance to learn, maybe. I think I will take you up on that offer of yours to learn. 
But let's concentrate first on what we know about the president, shall we? Stephen was quick to move over to the librarian, who led him off to a quiet office. The heavily damaged flying squirrel sat in the planetary orbit of a square-looking planet. The ship itself scarred and burned in places as it limped along, circling the square shape as best it could. There were signs of life coming from it as it traveled at the slightly skewed angle, like it was balanced but slightly off-centered. There was some fire sparking from the engines as the ship tried to get going, but this only sent billows of smoke and fiery bits out the back. A ghastly, ghostly-looking ship began to close in on the stricken flying squirrel, its shape looking like a rib cage in a spine that had been painted black as it came over and then began opening up the ribs so that it could lower itself onto the flying squirrel and then close around it. Ophelia felt a bout of panic sweep over her as her ship shuddered from something new. There was no telling what was going on anymore. Exhaustion and fear were fighting for her attention in the mostly dark bridge of her ship. What can anyone report at the moment about what that was? The ship is being pulled out of the planet's atmosphere, but not by our crew or our efforts. Explain a a little bit better, please, Blair. Something is pulling us away? If her face wasn't already creased with worry, it was now doubled so, and then tripled in lines as thought of at the thought. What to do and how to make all of this go away? You're not gonna like this, boss, but we're being boarded from above. How? She swirled to her weapons exec who had said this and had one of, and was at one of the work stations. They have a ship above us? Uh, I can only guess that caused our latest problems, and they are now pulling us away from the planet. Annoyed, Ophelia moved over to see if she could access some of the command screens to see what might be working. The ship's inner communication system was still up and wondered if that might help. She opened up a line of communication to the hallway where these intruders were dropping in from, as reported by her two officers. Intruders, this is the captain of the ship. Stop what you are doing at once, or we will fight you. A rattle of a noise came back, guttural and squeaky at times, that made no sense to her. She tapped at her ear, trying to figure out if her translator had gone out, but it seemed fun at the moment. If you're talking to us, we cannot understand you. Please stop moving at once if you can understand us. One of her screens had finally come to life, showing the security footage of that particular hallway, and the dozens of space-suited individuals who dropped in on that spot. Most of them stopped moving, but a few did keep doing what they were doing. This is your final warning. Stop invading and stop moving. We do not want to fight. We merely want to get back home at the moment. One of the creatures who was looking about noticed the camera and instantly jumped for it. The screen went blank, and Ophelia jumped in surprise. The commander of the Black Cage dropped into the hallway of the lost wayward ship. There was nothing good-looking here, and all varieties of ill-suited aliens began to gather at either end of the hallway, blocking it off from the Black Cage pirate group's troops. This was not as they'd anticipated. No, most ships that came through and survived this pull of the star 
were destroyed and had few survivors. This was not the case here, which would make things dangerous. We come in peace. Holding his hands up to show that no weapons didn't seem to ease the tension. The black cage group were still armed and his soldiers were ready for anything bad to come their way. We can help you and get you out of here. One of his soldiers scrambled from where it had been and holding out something for Lewis to see. It took him a moment to realize it was one of the cameras aboard the ship and he glanced towards the ceiling looking at where it might have been. There was nothing to do but give out a sigh. Crew, lower your weapons for the moment. We don't need to create drama. The weapons lowered from the group, and the wait began for someone else to show up. An uneasy truce of no one doing anything had settled over the space. Then a throat cleared. Who are you? The leader of the black cage turned to try and spot the voice, but it was hidden behind one of the groups of sailors. This wasn't going how he wanted things to go, but right now it would have to do. I am Captain Lewis of the Black Cage. The ship that has latched onto ours. Yes, you need repairs and probably medical help. Right, that sounds nice, but what are you doing out here in this ink splotch of space? Ink splotch? I don't understand. This heavily guarded area where no one should enter. He took a moment since he'd never heard of this area being called that before. It was new, and he didn't particularly like it. This part of space was protected, sure, but from nosy aliens who didn't know what they were getting themselves into. That definitely appeared to be the case of this troop at the moment. Yes, so what? It's protected because it is dangerous here, as you've seen for yourself. It's no fun being a pirate if you don't take chances. Oh, God, don't tell me you're searching for the lost treasure. Yes, and so are a variety of other ships that are probably making their way here. You're about to be busy. Better release us so you can be ready. Ophelia took a step forward to reveal herself with a sharp smile and a glint in her eye. End of Book 2, Part 2 of Pirates, Politics, and Potentially Treasure Thank you for listening.